Well, hey, we are in part three of our series that we're calling Seek and You Will Find. This is based on an amazing section of scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. So this is our theme section of scripture for this series. And let me just read through it. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So Jesus here, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, is calling the masses to ask of God, to seek God, to knock on the door, to have a relationship with God. And Jesus says, you know, we here on this earth have enough sense to be kind to our children when they ask for something good. And our Father in heaven, how much more will he be able to give us something good when we ask him? So we want to ask, we want to seek, because we know that when we seek, we will find, but let's seek wisely. And so in this series, we're looking to seek after in order to find our peace, in order to find our people, and in order to find our purpose. And this is the third week talking about seeking peace. So the first week we talked about our peace with God. The second week we talked about our peace with ourselves. Today, finding your peace in this broken world. So how about this world we live in? I wrote down just a few things that describe our world. And let's see what we got. We got pandemics. We got political craziness. We got injustice. We have unrest, we've got media distortions, mistrust, lies and confusion, there's hate and tribalism, there's evil and abuse and human trafficking and exploitation and murder and crime and addiction and depression and anxiety and suicide, and it just goes on. I mean, like, this is a messed up place. So, What I see when I read a list like that is the harvest is plentiful. Jesus said that we should ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. What that means is that there's a whole lot of need in this world. There's a whole lot of problems that need to be solved. There's a whole lot going on. That means the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. But this list that I just read is all just temporary problems. Those are all things that are going to go away. But, you know, there's something more important than temporary problems, and that is eternal problems. I've joked in the past about, you know, getting saved ruined my life. You know, (laughs) coming to Jesus ruined my life. And of course, I'm just joking with that. But what that means is that it was a very harsh realization for me to know that heaven was real, but that still people go to hell that there is an eternal future of the glory of God or condemnation and destruction. And, you know, I didn't know that. I mean, honestly, I believed that that this life was all there was. And when it's over, you're worm food. And that's pretty sweet that we're here, you know, because what right do we have to be here? And it's pretty awesome. And I just thought, well, hey, do the best you can with the 70 or 80 or 90 years or hopefully what you get out of this life. I thought that was awesome. And then 
I got saved, I came to Christ, and, I, and then of course the immediate realization was is this eternal life thing that the Christians talk about, this afterlife is actually a real thing and we need to be prepared for it. And the problem that I had was that I didn't grow up in a Christian environment. I didn't have Christian friends. I didn't have, you know, my immediate family was not Christian people. And so I'm in a situation where basically everybody that I know and love and care about, they're not right with Jesus. And that means that that's a very, very bad thing. It just hurt. You know, this realization that people die separate from God, rejecting Christ, separated from our Lord. They're lost and condemned. And that's not okay. There's temporary messed up like politics and poverty. But then there's eternal messed up, which is lost and separated from Christ. I really felt it when I read Romans 9, 1 through 3 for the first time. I don't know how many scriptures you remember just like the first time and having it grip you and captivate you. But Romans 9 was one of those scriptures where when I read it, it immediately brought me to tears because it was like, okay, God understands. (laughs) Obviously God understands, but sometimes we can think that we're alone. And here I read that the apostle Paul is in the same place as I was in, says this, Romans, we're just going to read Romans 9, 1 through 3. It says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. And he's talking about the people of Israel, the Jewish nation. Paul is heartbroken that the people that he loves, the people that he values, his friends, his family, the people that he sees as so beautiful and wonderful have rejected Jesus and they're far from Christ. And so Paul is broken. And that was the same for me. I was destroyed in my heart, like great sorrow and unceasing anguish. I'm like, yeah, that is exactly it. Exactly it. How can such beautiful, wonderful people go to hell? That is, it is unacceptable. It cannot possibly be. We must fight against that with everything that we have. And that is what Paul was feeling. That's what I feel. Does this sound like peace? Great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Does this sound like peace? (laughs) No. And I certainly was not at peace. So how do we live in this broken world with all the injustice and darkness and evil and all the problems that are temporary plus the eternal problems. How can we be aware of all of this, look at all of it, and have peace in our hearts at the same time? Well, first I'll give you a not. (laughs) It's not by burying your head in the sand. It's not by just drinking a lot and distracting yourself with chemicals, alcohol, or drugs. It's not by running into making a whole bunch of money and trying to buy happiness. It's not by, you know, sex or entertainment or just isolation and hiding from things. You know, taking the blue pill is not the answer. Peace through ignorance and illusion is not the will of God. We are to be aware of reality. We are to be aware of the darkness 
while we shine our light. We are to be aware of the evil and the horrible possibilities of damnation. We're to be aware of all of this so we don't hide our head in the sand. So let's seek after our peace and an awareness of all the brokenness of this world. How do, how do we do that? Well, again, we're not going to bury our head in the sand. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to take the blue pill. First thing, we must believe that it's possible and that it's God's will for us. That was one of the big mistakes that I made early on was I just embraced Romans 9, 1 through 3. But you know, this isn't the only thing that the Apostle Paul wrote. That, that's not the only thing in the Bible. There's stuff in there besides that. So it's, it's somewhat complicated. I mean, this isn't a one-dimensional thing where, you know, we're going to have peace and we're just like, ah, everything is great. You know, I mean, it isn't just that simplistic. Uh, it's not a naive, just like head in the clouds kind of a uh, peace, but we can fight to grab hold of this. So let's look at some other things that Paul wrote besides Romans 9. He also wrote Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 4 through 13. This is also from Paul who wrote about the sorrow and the unceasing anguish. He also says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength." So we have an amazing section of scripture there in Philippians chapter four. And uh, if you're familiar with the life of the apostle Paul, Philippi is where Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison and a great miracle happened. And the people there in Philippi had seen Paul suffer greatly for the gospel. And to them, he is writing about being content in any and every situation. He's writing to them about not being anxious about anything, but having the peace of God on our hearts and our minds. It's to them that he's writing this. And I want to make a special emphasis out of verses 7, 8, and 12. So verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace of God transcends all understanding. What that means is you still know that everything is messed up, but you've, you've prayed and you've let thankfulness into your heart and you've set those needs before the feet of Jesus. And there is a peace of God that comes on you that isn't 
just a rational peace. Oh, all things will be solved now in the next 15 minutes because I prayed. No, but there is a peace that transcends understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds. And this is powerful, powerful stuff. So we need to seek that out, this peace from God. And then verse eight is talking about our focus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're supposed to think about the things that are good in this world. It doesn't mean to be unaware of the evils and the darkness, but we need to focus on those admirable, praiseworthy, good things Focus on those. Think about those things. Rehearse those in your mind, your opportunities, the good things that are going on. Focus on the positive, not being ignorant of the negative, but making sure our focus is right. And then verse 12, a life verse for me. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. The secret of being content in any situation. Hallelujah. This world doesn't need one more distraught human being. You don't need to be one more distraught human being. In your service to Christ, what this world needs is one more person who is content in any and every situation. One more person who has that peace that passes understanding over their hearts and their minds. This world needs one more person who is focusing on the good things of this world, on the praiseworthy things, on the character of people who are doing things well. That's what this world needs. So let's seek to experience these verses for ourselves, to experience having the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds, being able to focus on the good things of this world, and also being able to learn that secret of being content in any and every situation. So as we seek this out, I want to talk about the three R's of finding peace in this broken world. The first R is rise above. We are called up to rise above the strife and confusion of this world. As we serve Jesus, we are called to rise up to a higher plane. We're not just running around on the surface of the planet, fighting with everybody, mad at everybody, you know, just all that yuck. We're not supposed to live in that anymore, but we rise above it. So that's what we're called to do. Jesus prayed for his disciples, something very interesting in John chapter 17. Let me go to John 17. We're going to read verses 13 through 19. Jesus is praying to his heavenly father. And this is a long prayer. This is only a piece of it. It says this, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. He's talking about his disciples. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So 
Jesus is saying he's not of this world and that his disciples are not of this world. That's going to create some problems in fitting in in this world. But hey, guess what? That's okay. And we are sanctified by the truth. That means that we're set apart to be different, to be godly, set apart for Christ, sanctified by the truth, not of this world. Jesus reiterates this when he's talking to Pilate in John 18, 36. Jesus says to, to Pontius Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So we are to rise up and we are to rise above this world into our heavenly calling. We're not supposed to be part of the strife and ugliness and ignorance and, and misinformation and junk of this world, but we are called to rise above. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, just says this in an incredibly powerful way. I'm gonna read that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So this is talking about how when we come to follow Christ, before that, we're just running around on this world, being part of all the evil and junk and garbage that everybody else is. And uh, then something happens. Verse four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So verses six and seven are just amazing there. What is verse six? Verse six, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. This is past tense. When you come to faith in Christ, you rise above, you're seated in the heavenly heavenly realms with Christ. This is amazing. And then verse seven is all about how God is going to show, he's going to demonstrate the incomparable riches of his grace by showing kindness to us. Like hallelujah for that. Like this is fantastic, but we need to rise above. The followers of Jesus are called to be in this world, but not of it. We are called to rise above the strife and the garbage and the junk of this world. We rise above it. Sadly, too many Christians are caught up in the mess of strife and misinformation and believing lies and all this garbage. They've climbed down from their heavenly seat to become of this world, not you. Amen? Don't just be watching the news and getting all angry, believing anything that you read on the internet and getting all paranoid. That's not you. Rise above all of that, seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus having a heavenly perspective. Instead, we want to do Philippians 4.8, where we focus on all these positive things, all the good things. We live out Philippians 4.8 instead of just being mired in the mess and hating all the things that are wrong. I'm serious about that. Rise above. The first R of finding peace in this broken world is to rise above it. Second R 
is to represent Jesus well. We're called to represent Jesus well. We who have been reconciled to God are now ambassadors for Christ in this world. Let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 17 through 20. Read this a couple weeks ago, but here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we are Christ's ambassadors those who have been reconciled to god are now ambassadors for christ what does an ambassador do an ambassador represents let's say that it's, it's an ambassador from one country to another country the ambassador represents the country that they're from and they represent the interests of the country that they are from in another country and that is who we are We represent Christ who is not of this world in this world and we represent the interests of Christ in this world. What are the interests of Christ? The interests of Christ is this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The interest of Christ that why he died on the cross was to reconcile people to God, to not count their sins against them, but to stop all of that as a barrier and allow people to be reconciled to God, redeemed, brought into new life. This is what Jesus is all about. That's what Christ's interests are. So we represent Christ and we represent his interests in this world. And this is how we fix it. If you're a fixer, I'm a fixer. I just want things to work. Not too long ago, I got to speak to a group of church planters and I only had like 20, 25 minutes to talk to him, but I was like, I just want you to succeed because it's hard. It's hard to succeed as a church planter, but I tell you what, I want you to succeed. I want to fix it. I want to make it work because so many people step out in ministry in, in difficult scenarios like church planting and they just have a rough time of it and I want it to work. How do we fix it? You know, we look at this broken world. We are called to intervene. We are called to make some changes. How do we fix it? Well, we fix it by being an ambassador for Christ, by representing Christ and Christ's interest in this world. That's the primary way that we fix things. So I got to tell you, there is not a political answer. It's not a social answer. It is a Jesus answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that's going to bring our society into a place of prosperity as we understand who we are in Christ, our own personal value. We don't have to look at the world to find our value, but we can see that in Christ. And then we start living as you know the the chosen ones of God and seeing other people as the sought after by God and then it changes everything that's how we fix it by representing Christ well ambassadors for Christ who represent Jesus in this world and who represent his interests now if we do this poorly we get Romans chapter 2 verse 24 if we are bad ambassadors for Christ We get this, as it is written, 
God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. What does that mean? That means that when the followers of God fail, that the people who do not know God will make fun of God. They will reject God. They will think the things of God are ridiculous and foolish and stupid. That if we fail to represent Christ well, that Jesus' name will be blasphemed among people on the outside because of us. Let's not be bad representatives of Christ, all right? We don't wanna do it poorly, but if we do it well, we get Matthew chapter five. So this is again from the Sermon on the Mount where uh, we were in Matthew chapter seven at the beginning. Now we're in Matthew chapter five, still the Sermon on the Mount. Let's just read verses 14 through 16. Here we go. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is being a good representative of Christ and a good representative of Christ's interests to let your light shine before others that they may see you act and behave in the right ways. They may see your heart and it brings glory to who? Glorify your father in heaven. So this is what it means to be a good ambassador for Christ. Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. So let's do this well, because what a difference between blasphemy theming God or glorifying God based on if we let our light shine or if we misrepresent Christ through just being foolish. First R, rise above. Second R, represent Jesus well. Third R, rest in the Lord. Yes, let's rise above all the garbage and the darkness of this world into God's will for our life. Let's rise above. Let's represent Jesus well as ambassadors. We are from another kingdom. We are seated uh, in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, but we are here representing Christ and his interests. Let's represent Jesus well. And the last one is to rest in the Lord. Serving Jesus involves rejection. It's just a fact. That's what Jesus was talking about in some of the earlier scriptures that we read. You know, they're rejected, not of this world from John 17. Serving Jesus involves rejection and that's no fun. But uh, there's something that Jesus told the 12 disciples when he sent them out to do some work in Matthew chapter 10. You know, it's phrased this way in the NIV and so maybe it's not exactly right. But I tell you what, the way it says it in the NIV really spoke to my heart and I, I hope it speaks to you as well but read it in different versions and make sure that you search things out. Don't just buy stuff that I tell you. Make sure you go check it out for yourself. I'm gonna read Matthew 10, 11 through 15. It says this, he's telling the 12, here, you're gonna go out, you're gonna do some ministry. I'm sending you out, do this. It says, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So we see an eternal problem there in verse 15. But verse 13 was powerful. 
If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Because, you know, I, I want people to love Jesus and to be forgiven and have everlasting life and to live new life in this world, grabbing hold of abundant life and trusting God for everlasting life. I mean, what a glorious thing. And you tell people about that wonderful deal and they're like, you're an idiot. And they, they make fun of you and swear at you. And it's just, it's, it, it can be painful, especially it's people that you love and you, you want them to know Christ and have everlasting life and they just get mad at you. And that feeling of rejection can be powerful. But what verse 13 said to me was, you know, if the home isn't deserving, let your peace return to you. So I I offer my peace out. And then what used to happen was there would be the rejection and then my peace would fly away. (laughs) There it goes. It's gone. No more peace for Mike. But now I'm like, no, okay. You put, you put it out there. And if the person's not worthy or, you know, however you want to say it, the rejection comes, let your peace return to you. And I've tried to just receive that. It's a challenge, but I've tried to receive it. So that's very powerful. And then Jesus told that same group of people, his 12, by now it's 11 in John 16, I believe, you know, because Judas is out of the picture. But John 16, 33, Jesus says this very iconic verse. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. It's a broken world. It's messed up. But Jesus is saying, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. Peace during the trouble. Peace in a messed up world because Jesus has overcome the world. We will have trouble in this world, but in Christ, we can have peace. So we need to rest in the Lord in the midst of all of this mess. So how do we find peace in this broken world? We rise above the broken world. We're not just fighting. We're not one of the combatants. We're not one of the people just running around in strife and malice and hate and all that. We're not one of them. We rise above seated with Christ in heavenly realms. We rise above. And then we do represent Christ and Christ's interest in this broken world. But then while we do that, we rest in the Lord. So the three R's of finding peace in this world, rise above, represent Jesus well, and rest in the Lord. So finding peace with this broken world in this broken world can be a challenge because things just simply aren't okay. This is a broken world. This is a big mess. It's easy to get sucked into the strife and misinformation of the day. Let me tell you, you don't have to get sucked into that. You can rise above. It's easy to misrepresent Jesus. All you have to do is sin. All you have to do is fail to love sinners. All you have to do is carry a wrong spirit. Instead of walking with the Holy Spirit, you walk with a judgmental spirit, a critical spirit, an angry spirit, a bitter spirit, whatever it is. Just not carrying the Holy Spirit of God in you misrepresents Christ. So it's easy to misrepresent Jesus, but you don't have to. You know, you can represent Jesus well. It's easy to be shaken by the events of the day. It's easy to look at all the darkness and all the stuff and think, I don't know what's going to happen and be shaken, but you don't have to. With Christ's help, we can rise above this broken world. We can represent Jesus well in this broken world, and we can rest in the Lord even in the midst of our trials and our difficulties. Now, Jesus imparted his peace on his disciples. Let's seek after that. He, he gave his peace. That's in 
John 14, verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus imparts his peace on his disciples the night before he's going to be crucified. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He knows what they're going to walk into. He knows the hardships that are there. We have to do our part, which is to resist letting our hearts be troubled and to resist being afraid. And then we need to trust that Jesus will do the rest. So let's go after receiving peace from God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord Jesus, you imparted, you gave your peace to your disciples. And of course, they still ran and were thrown off quite a bit by the the crucifixion and, and all that happened. They didn't receive your peace as well as they could have in the short term, but they did grab it as time went on. Lord, for us, help us to grab hold of your peace. Help us to resist letting our hearts be troubled and being afraid. Let us reject being troubled and being afraid, but let us rest in you. Lord, let your peace rest on us. Impart your peace upon us as you did your disciples. Help us to walk in this broken world full of peace, rising above all of the mess, representing you well in this world and Lord, resting in you. So Lord, bless us with this. Help us to learn and grow in it as time goes on. So encourage us and strengthen us as we seek you, as we seek peace in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.